0: Welcome to the MIONing Podcast, and this week we're going over the spring to-do list to get ready for the upcoming seasons. Hello and welcome. And for this week, I didn't really have a specific topic that I really wanted to talk about, so... We're just going to be going over the things that I've been working on and things I'm going to be looking forward to uh, in the upcoming months. Getting ready for uh, basically summer and the upcoming fall that will be, as we all know, uh, upon us before we know it. The so first start now, uh, second turkey season has started. Uh, I have heard and seen on social media and whatnot of you know plenty of people have been successful here within the state as well as across the country. Uh, this is certainly a time when everyone's got turkey on the brain. As a, for myself, I still have to sit on the sidelines until the final season here in Michigan. Uh, I basically just wanted to have some additional time to be able, you know, take some family members out hunting, and that last season because it gives you the full, you know, month of May to be able to get out there and hunt. It just gives for more opportunity. So and over this past week, uh, the wife and I did go out, uh, do a little bit of scouting basically it came down to it looks like i'm gonna be hunting in about the same spot i hunted uh, the previous year it just seemed to be that's the area that uh, had the you know highest concentration of turkey sign and it helps too that because of me hunting there last year i am a little bit more familiar with that location on uh, it and i'll have a little bit more confidence going into that area now, i just happened to use up a gift card that my father had given me to one of the uh hunting stores here so I just bought a brand new turkey decoy it's uh, one of the aggressive jigs uh, just to be able to hopefully um, give a little bit more realism to my setup uh, the decoys I had are, in the past were pretty low quality so I just did a little bit of an upgrade uh, it's not, it wasn't a super expensive one uh, but certainly in the past few years they've come a long way with their designs and um, how well they hold up to the elements and then also been, you know, working with my calls one whatnot, ensuring that I've been practicing, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I'm not a huge turkey hunter, but this time of year is when I, you know, do try to make the effort to make sure that I'm well prepared for when I head out to the woods. And then the other big thing I got to do is, you know, I uh, get planning with, um, you know, any of the family members I'm going to be planning on taking out. Uh, I know my sister uh, is wanting to try to, you know, go out and, harvest a turkey this year or at least maybe get out and get a little bit of exposure to it and then the same thing uh, both my kids have had interest in hunting but then you know when the time comes they you know they kind of lose interest and decide that they want to go last minute so I'm gonna have to discuss with them on whether or not they're going to be coming out or not oh so yeah because with my oldest, she's uh, interested in wanting to go turkey hunting but she's still a little intimidated with the uh, either you know, using a crossbow or a shotgun of sorts so I'll be working with her a little bit more uh, just to make her more comfortable um, with the idea uh, because her biggest thing is that you know that she wouldn't have a problem <laughs> shooting a turkey just because they're not that cute so with all that being said you know turkey season is still in full swing and that's certainly still something you know one of the higher priorities um, this time of year and with the weather changing, the temperatures warming, everything's starting to green up now, and that is also leading to, you know, spring forage. We've got, you know, hopefully soon the weather's been kind of crazy with with these cold temperatures, but hopefully the morel mushrooms uh, begin to start coming up. I have seen in the area of people, you know, posting and saying that they have found a few, um, but it hasn't been in any great numbers or uh, sizes. And then of course you know one thing that uh, our family has started doing is harvesting uh, ramps or some people call them leeks. Uh, they're you i guess go either way with that um, but they're they're really good and you know in most areas they are quite abundant um, you know you can cook them up just like you would like a wild onion you know a lot of you know people say that they're in between a you know an onion and garlic um, so they're very useful with cooking And my brother-in-law actually had just made some uh, ramp butter um, where you cook it down and went with the butter and then you drain that off. And then you just got that flavoring, you know, from that onion, garlicky flavor right in your butter. Um, That's something that we haven't tried here in this house, but it'll probably be one that we'll certainly consider. You know, when it comes to the foraging, that is one thing that we're going to be looking into doing more um, as a family. Uh, There are so many, you know, great things that you can harvest out there. Uh, you know there's other a couple other you know mushrooms I'm looking into to hopefully try to find this year is that uh, hen of the woods or chicken of the woods Uh, we had some uh, hen of the woods uh, earlier this year where uh, we had one of those you know produce boxes delivered and it had uh, some hen of the woods in it and my wife had cooked it up in with a beast stroganoff and we all loved it even um, my picky eater who is really sensitive to certain foods of their taste and texture uh she ate ate it with no problem and that will be one thing that we'll be you know exploring more hopefully i can get my wife involved uh, she is certainly the much more uh, creative cook when it comes to using um you know different produce and whatnot and forages in that manner uh, i would certainly be following much more on you know strict recipes where she she has has neck for to be able to you know just wing it and create these awesome dishes and now moving on to some more things that lead into this later spring uh, and summertime you know certainly this is now a time where um, if you're uh, a food plotter or you're big into the deer hunting now is a good time to start getting some of those to do's um, knocked out So I know for me, I still need to get my soil sample kit and get out to the property where I'm going to be planting my food plots, get that soil sample collected, and take a look and see what type of um, work I need to do to improve that soil quality. Now I have been um, in the past, I guess last year um, I went into it completely with uh, doing no-till food plotting and using a cover crop throughout the summer um, just to keep that soil protected. And then also to hopefully increase the organic matter uh, on that food plot throughout the summer and then also to hopefully use it as a nursery crop for when i plant my fall plots so in some of the things if you are looking at doing a spring or summer food plot you know certainly now with the green up have begun uh, is a good time to get out there and take care of your weed control and making sure that you have a good you know seed bed to be able to plant in. So if that's whether you are going to be disking fields and whatnot or if you are simply going to um, just be cutting down on your weeds and broadcasting just onto the surface you want that good seed soil contact and make sure that you have a good seed bed to where those seed that soil contact can can happen. So and as I said for me I'm using more of a cover crop throughout the summer. I really am not focusing on Uh, providing much food for uh, you know the deer and the wildlife um, in in regards to food plot throughout the summer you know certainly the summertime is kind of the time of plenty where you know everything is green and generally I feel that the deer don't uh, necessarily need that much food extra provided within a food plot now I will be planting um, a very small area where um I'm trying to build up the soil quality as well as ensure that I get a good mix within my food plot, kind of breaking it up on the time frame when it's uh, when it's matured. So I will be doing a small one, but it's really more just to break up the bulk of my fall plot. Uh, more or less, I've got a U-shaped uh, food plot that I create um, in the area I hunt, and then in the middle, I plant with additional, a little bit taller... Uh, type plants you know a little bit of a screening but also provide a little bit of food as well um, but that's really uh, not a, a high priority for food Now i will be this year trying to incorporate in that taller thicker mix a bit of uh, sugar beets uh, i have had an experience with you know doing this last year as well where i there was some you know in the mix that i had purchased it did have some brassicas mix into it and I noticed with that you know that taller thicker stuff growing around it that the those brassicas I, um, they did really well in there surprisingly I figured with the amount of taller um, you know vegetation that they were gonna get shaded out that I was mistaken in that regard uh, they actually did quite well and they were actually um, some of the you know largest and more mature plants you know, even compared to um, my much more, um, you know, manicured uh, fall plots, uh, it just seemed that that with all the other um, vegetation around, that the deer either weren't interested um, in those brassicas throughout the summer months, or they really couldn't find them until the, you know, the rest of that area died down um, as it matured. So I am going to try to incorporate some sugar beets to see. If I can get some really, uh, you know, big bulbs with those, and provide some you know, additional, you know, food for hopefully the winter months and throughout the fall, and just see how it does. So this would be kind of an additional part of my experimentation with this food plotting. Done quite a bit of tinkering to try to figure out you know what kind of worked for me, and then the more variety I can. So. Again, this is an area where I'm not going to put a ton of effort into. I've got already one bag of seed that my my dad picked up um, from his work it's at a discounted price. So is this going to be something to add some variety? I'm going to get some, make sure I have some taller vegetation because I do want it to act as a bit of a screen within that U shape. So that way, when the deer comes to the field edge, they can't look across the entire uh, area and. You know, if it's a buck, he's not gonna be able, to, you know, just look into the field without stepping into it. Check the field for does, and then move on if there's nothing in there. Uh, the idea will be to ensure that the deer have to enter the food plot and have to make their way around it if they want to see what's really in there. So the main steps for me is just really getting that soil sample done, and then, <laughs> and hopefully you can't hear my dogs barking in the background here. <laughs> uh anyway so uh and then also I'm going to be picking up um my summer cover crop. I really like using buckwheat. Um it just seems to you know, at least from the first season of using it, it did really well. I did end up seeding it just because I did have additional grasses that from my initial sprain to try to um, give myself a good seabed this type of grass I still haven't even really identified it but it came in super super thick uh, so it did limit how well that buckwheat uh, did but in some areas where I did ha- where I knew I had better seabed where I knew that the grass uh, wasn't over competing um, the buckwheat did extremely well. It basically grew up really tall, with it being a tall uh, stem, you know, it allows you to shade out additional weeds. And then also, so when you plant into it, essentially, I uh, plant that uh, buckwheat usually right, right around the first of June. Um, basically, I want it to be uh, almost to the point where it's fully mature but not seeded out or anything like that. So I'll give it, I'll plant it in the first of June and then I give it about eight weeks or so and then that's when I plant my fall uh, food plot right into that buckwheat and then I terminate that buckwheat with a uh, roller and I also use um, some glyphosate just to make sure that if it's uh, got any additional weeds or grasses especially that I'm able to terminate all that together all at once. I roll that buckwheat down over the the new seeds that I planted into it and that acts as a mulch uh, for those seeds um, to where I can get a little bit more of a mix where I can get some some late soybeans or peas planted into it without having to um, really diss up the ground or use some form of you know drill or whatnot so as all that being said again I'm just looking at getting those seeds ready make sure that the suppliers that I usually use do have those seeds available and then and that way i'm not scrambling trying to find them um, when it's time to plant the other thing along with those food plots you know next thing is continuing on habitat work so my dad and i uh, actually went out and and planted a few apple trees down on the property as well he had those uh trees that he bought uh, last year he we kind of kept them in a container. And, you know, made sure that they had a good root base and whatnot before we tried transplanting them um, out into, you know, the property where we wouldn't be able to manage them quite as easily. So we've got those uh, apple trees planted in. Uh, On this property, there have been apple trees in the past, but uh, they've been, you know, neglected over the years. Uh, They've been overgrown. Um, So we're just trying to kind of replace the apple trees that we know that are kind of on their last leg. Uh, just to ensure that we do have, you know, that type of food source still available um, as we had in the past. And then also going to be working on continuing with uh, cutting some trees. I'm going to do some edge feathering, working on, you know, those field edges, cutting down some of those larger trees that have grown up uh, along those edges. To incorporate a little bit more new growth along those field edges, help keep those edges to where they're thick. To where you, you know, if you're standing either in the woods, you're not looking directly into the field, or if you're in the open field, you can't look into those woods, uh, looking under, you know, the canopies of those mature trees along the edges. And then over the course of the winter, uh, as I was cutting some other trees and throughout the spring, I noticed that there was a lot of um shrubs in there and I was trying to figure out you know kind of what you know what they were uh, it looked like it was really good but it turns out that you know within you know looking into a little bit more um it turns out that I've got quite a significant amount of um invasive honeysuckle down at that property so you know it's you know you could get really down the rabbit hole on talking uh invasives versus native plants uh, so you know certainly i've seen that you know the wildlife in the area does use these honeysuckles. it does you know provide shade and cover uh, it does provide a little bit of food it does berry which i have noticed that a lot of the birds uh, will eat the berries as well as even some of the other you know animals i've even noticed some of the berries in um, either uh, bear scat or even coyote scat. I've noticed. So I'm not sure if it's the coyotes eating the berries or they're eating things that are eating the berries. Uh, but in my research, I found that you know this form of honeysuckle is invasive. Um, it does look like there's several different um, subspecies, but it does fall within this category of the non-native honeysuckle. Now there is, um, from what I've researched, a native version of honeysuckle, um, but it it's a it's also it's not quite as um, damaging because um, the form that I have on the property it does become into a very large bush and it spreads very very quickly which then at that point um, which I have noticed the more that I've recognized that plant that is it spreads throughout the property shading out other plants Um, and then also in regards to the berries now you can make the argument that uh, this Plant is benefiting the wildlife, but it seems as though the research is, you know, not really uh, supporting how nutritious those berries are um, that this plant does produce. Um, so they do note that you know wildlife does eat them. However, the nutritional value of these berries uh, does not seem to really support the wildlife all that well. So that will be one thing that I'll be working on this summer as well: is eliminating those honeysuckles. those those types of shrubs and hopefully replace them with uh, a more beneficial you know uh, native plants as well so throughout the summer I'm gonna you know go through um, and cut some of these uh, shrubs down and treat them with a herbicide to make sure that they don't uh, sprout back at all and then while I'm doing that hopefully be planting in place of them um, some other shrubs as well so and then in some of the research I've done there are a few that I kind of like the idea of planting, uh, but still I've got more to look into to make sure that they're a good fit for the area and that they are truly going to be a benefit um, you know planting in place of those other shrubs so the first one I looked at is the red osier dogwood Uh, seems like it's a pretty good one basically the ones that I'm looking at right now are going to be kind of similar in size as the honeysuckle that I'm going to be removing Uh, they're also going to be uh, ones that do produce a berry as well Uh, so it's not going to be you know limiting one source of food um, and doing some other completely different type of plant so hopefully they are going to be still they'll they'll be still flowering uh, also there'll be a benefit to the birds and bugs and whatnot and then also they will be uh, producing a berry that. Um, so far, in all my research, that they are much more uh, nutritious uh, type of food for all sorts of animals, so it'll be more beneficial, um, I believe. Anyways, and then so the red witcher dogwood, you know, is a late summer um, berry, and then also I'm looking at a wild black currant. Uh, this one I don't know too much about. It's actually a plant I haven't really heard of before, uh, but again, it's a flowering shrub will produce a berry this one actually produces one more in the fall time Uh, so i do like the fact that because it's uh bearing at a separate time it would you know increase the um, duration of a berry um, a fruit bearing um plant at a little bit different time of the year and also looking at elderberry um, that one seems like a kind of a fun one where you know you think of elderberry as something know they do a lot of supplementation with them and whatnot Uh, but it seems like it's a great plant for uh, you know birds and wildlife as well again another uh, berry or fruit bearing um, plant again that one again in the fall and then uh, another one that I've looked at um, just recently is the winterberry or Michigan Holly Um, that one I'm really curious about uh, because it seems that it will have berries um, well into the fall as well as even um, depending on you know how heavily it's foraged on it will hold the berries um, even during the winter time so that could be a really good uh, potential late summer or late winter uh, food source as well and i guess to get back onto the food pine side i did forget to mention that you know if you are one to want to plant a spring or summer food plot. Um, usually, the big one, of course, is you know if you're doing um, you know clover, or alfalfa. Uh, if you're planting corn or soybeans, you know that's something that you want to again make sure that you get your suppliers in line. Uh, you know, especially with all the craziness that's been going on over you know, well over the year. That I know that you know you may run into um, suppliers not having exactly what you want. Um, So do make sure you look into that ahead of time. That way you're not having to uh, change your plans or potentially not plant what you're wanting to this year. In the past, when I first started out, I did plant, or I started out doing uh, a summer. Um, I did have a pretty large clover plot that we had planted uh, that lasted. Let's see, I planted that was about five years ago. So and it went about four to five years as a really good clover plot. Now I did go through and mow it about twice a year after that first season uh, but eventually uh, without me using you know additional um, herbicides to control the grasses it did eventually start to get overwhelmed with um, additional you know plants and grasses that started encroaching onto that clover now again I have like I said I moved away from you know doing the spring plots just because I want to focus more on having really good food throughout the fall and winter months and not worried so much about the summer But yeah so if you are looking at doing a spring or summer food pot you know now's the time to make sure that you get everything in line make sure you get your soil samples done because you are gonna be planting here within the next month or so uh, I, you know I have done a little bit extra with the clover, uh, where I did a little bit later planning it was actually the first week of June. It didn't do so well because once you get in that time frame, you know we don't get the rain like we do throughout the spring. Now uh, it did come in, but it wasn't very good um, that first year. Now it certainly did much better the second year, where it it came in, you know, much much fuller. You know, the plants look much healthier just because they had. You know that time without the winter and this fresh green up that they had and then also during the fall months they did become a lot stronger plants unfortunately though in that area where I planted the year before um, it got tilled under and made as a cornfield throughout the summer so I did lose out on some of that clover that I did plant the year before and then if you're if you haven't already now is a good time to look at your gear especially that archery equipment uh, I actually just got my bow back from bow shop where I had purchased a new, you know, string of cables to get put on, and got it all tuned in, paper tuned, and everything like that. To where, so I worked with uh, actually a new uh, bow shop this this spring. I wanted to check them out a little bit, and turns out that I think I'm gonna be sticking with them. Um, you know, in working with with the owner there. He found out that my previous bow shop, when they had uh, made my strings for me, they actually did the serving wrong, which was the cause of why I had some pretty significant, you know, peep rotation. Essentially, they put it on, you know, backwards to where, um, as as it put tension on the string, as I drew back, it twisted the string, uh, and it was it was something that no matter you know how how much I adjusted it, it was always going to be there. So I learned a valuable lesson that, you know, I need to continue to learn, you know, things to look out for when tuning your bow, uh, to see if you've run into any issues that may not be something that you could address on your own. Um, so I was a little, you know, taken back that, you know, that was something that was discovered that I've, you know, I wouldn't have thought would have been an issue of that the bow shop um had made that type of mistake i guess going forward i'm going to make sure that you're know, much more proactive in understanding you know what's being done on my bow and if there is any issues trying to find out what the cause of those issues are so you know i wanted to you know do a little bit of that bow tuning stuff on my own you know tinkering quite a bit with my arrow setups and you know trying to figure out what's the best uh you know, set up for my bow and for me, and I did find that you know with this new set of arrows that I got, that I was running an issue with the bow and the arrows. Just weren't tuning properly. You know, I could get the arrow to um, paper tune, but then come come find out um, as I was talking to another individual who tinkered with this bow quite a bit. He, you know, I told him what I had done, making my adjustments primarily on my rest, and he he simply said yeah take a look and see if you're anywhere near center shot so I knocked an arrow and looked down my string and sure enough it looked like my arrow was making a right hand turn um, as it was sitting in the bow it was not lined up with the bowstring at all um, so I had, sure I've gotten the arrow to fly straight but it was not coming off the bow efficiently um, it was actually I was compensating quite a bit for my bow not being in the correct tune um, so now I've got the the new bowstring string put on, and it is far um, better tuned and you know adjusted correctly. So where the bow itself is uh, much more shooting straight. If you look down the string with the arrow knot, everything's lined up. The bow string, the arrow, as well as even my sight. I actually made a significant adjustments um, once I've gotten the bow back at where I had my sights set initially it end up being far off you know to the right where where I was hitting you know center of the target before because now my bow is actually set up to where it's shooting properly I can actually move that site back into where it should be lined up with everything else um, and then also with that being adjusted properly I'm gonna end up getting um, you know the bow is much more efficient i'm going to get me be getting a little bit more speed out of it um, as well as the bow is going to be quieter because it's not you know that string's not traveling you know you know us sliding back and back and forth as it's shot because nothing is lined up with everything being lined up all the power from that bow string is going to be transferred to the arrow in a direct line pushing it forward which is going to make me a much better archer um, going forward so, so, my recommendation for you um, if you do all your tinkering or if you take your bow to bow shop, make sure you understand what that bow shop is doing and why they're doing it. That way, when you get home, if you run into any issues, you know uh, a little bit more about how your bow operates um, and how that individual bow tunes. And then also, just to make sh- and just to you know, kind of keep your bow shop honest and ensure that. You know they are taking good care of you and your bow if for whatever reason you you question it always don't you know don't hesitate to take it to another shop and have someone else look at it you know I learned a valuable lesson with that and I'm pretty sure I found a new you know bow shop um, that I want to be working with because I knew that they take they they end up taking great care of me in that regard and then once you've got your bow set up and everything like that now is a great time to practice I'm typically one that I surely, you know, enjoy shooting most here. However, you know, once season's over, especially after you know Christmas time and whatnot, I do like to take a little bit of a break. And so, I typically this time of year is when I, you know, get my bow back out. You know, I start getting pretty antsy once the snow's gone. Um, But but then again, with me having the tuning issues with my bow, I have been, you know, sidelined a little bit in that regard. Where I wanted to make sure that everything was tuned properly and then now I can go back to working on my arrow setups and tinkering and just get back to practicing getting ready for the upcoming season oh and lastly but certainly not least you know the other big thing that I want to be getting into again this year is getting back to fishing you know I fished quite a bit as a kid and then now certainly with my kids being at the age they're certainly showing a lot of interest in getting into fishing so that will be the next big thing that we'll be working on. Hopefully, we'll be uh, here in the next couple of weeks getting um, you know all of the fishing gear that's been up on the wall for far too long. Getting new line put on the reels, and I'm actually going to uh, make a deal with my kids that if they want to go out fishing, that they're going to have to uh, get proficient with their with their uh, fishing equipment. So I'm actually going to have them uh, practice their casting and whatnot uh, right here in the backyard. I'm gonna probably pick up some like you know targets for them for them to aim at, and just get them used to uh, using their you know reels and being able to cast. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of you know knots and whatnot that we'll have to get out of the line. So I'm probably gonna pick up some extra line um, that way I can just cut the line off and let them continue to practice. Alright, so those are the things I am looking into getting ready for this late spring, early summer and for things to come. So I hope that you've got a plan in place to get out there and enjoy the outdoors.